What's going on, Valley family? It's so great to be here with you today. I am Stephen Francis, and I want to thank you for joining us for this Sunday gathering. Maybe you're not even watching on a Sunday, but either way, I'm so grateful that you would take time out of your day to be a part of this experience and to hear this word. We are in a series right now called The Blessed Life, a study of the Beatitudes. And maybe you haven't uh, heard about the Beatitudes before. Maybe you're not familiar with it, but let me just give you a quick little summary of what it is. Jesus Christ, the person who we believe to be the hope of the world, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, uh, is recorded one of his most famous teachings that he ever did. And part of that teaching is the Beatitudes, where Jesus talks about blessed are those that do this, and those specific things are the things that we're focusing on. We want to figure out how do we find a blessed life, aka how do we have a happy life together. And some of those things are going to be very surprising, and especially the one that we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, I want to get something off my chest. I know we're here to talk about what the Word of God says, uh, but I also want to talk about some things that I've seen recently. You know, in 2020, uh, many people, including myself, said that 2020 was going to be the year of vision. That we were going to see God do some incredible and powerful things that we have never seen before. And Valley Family, I still do believe that we're going to see God do some incredible things. But I will also say that I have definitely seen some things I was not expecting to see. But there were some things that I actually was really excited to see this year in 2020. And I want to share with you some of those things that I was hoping that I was excited to see. The first thing was me and my wife celebrating our fifth year wedding anniversary in Costa Rica. I actually have a picture of a Costa Rican beach at the resort that we were going to be staying at. It is beautiful. I was so excited. It was going to be our five years and we were going to do it in style and fashion on the beach. No kid. And it was going to be great. But then COVID happened. And now uh, our Costa Rica vacation was canceled. And another thing that I was so excited about when it came to 2020 was the 2020 Olympics. And I was specifically excited to see the Jamaican track team at the 2020 Olympics. Many of you guys don't know this about me, but I'm a first generation American. My family is from Jamaica and I am proud to be an American. I'm all about America. But when it comes to the Olympics, that's where my Jamaican accent comes out. That's where I get the flags and I start waving them because I am all about the Jamaican track team when it comes to the Olympics and I was so excited to see what they were going to potentially do this year at the Olympics but unfortunately I didn't get to see that because they're canceled postponed rather Speaking of sports, another thing that I wanted to see in 2020 was my hero, Tom Brady, win another Super Bowl as a Patriot and continue on as a Patriot for the rest of his season. But unfortunately, not only did he not win a Super Bowl in 2020, but he completely betrayed me. And he's also not answered my emails or text messages about this. And I'm pretty sure that uh, he's going to send a cease and desist. But nevertheless... I know many of you New York Giant fans are excited, many of you Cowboy fans are excited, and many of you Jets fans 
I don't know why you're a Jets fan, so I'm not even going to address you, were feel some type of way about this whole situation, but I was disappointed. And another thing that I was very excited about in 2020 that I was looking forward to seeing was the Valley Christian Church missions trip to Guatemala. We believed that God was going to do something powerful. We were going to do some exciting things in the lives of those people. And we still believe that God is going to do something there. It just won't be with us this year. So very unfortunate about that. I was excited to see that. But unfortunately, I did not see that. However, there is one thing I've definitely had the privilege of seeing a lot of in 2020. And that is the inside of my house. I am very familiar now with the inside of my house, so much so that it starts to feel smaller and smaller every day when I am in it. Many of you guys know exactly what I'm feeling, and many of you guys understand what I'm talking about. But in all seriousness, the thing that I really have seen a lot of in 2020 that I wasn't expecting to see is pain. I've seen a lot of people in pain and in panic over the pandemic due to the coronavirus. I have seen many people deal with difficult situations where they had to have a loved one pass away due to the virus and they couldn't even be in the same room with them. I've experienced pain as a member of the black community, seeing the wrongful deaths of people like Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and the frustrations of people that don't understand and are now warring with each other through social media and other ways. I have seen and experienced and walked with people that are dealing with the pain that had so much hopes and dreams about job opportunities and careers and their businesses only to have them be closed unexpectedly because of all the things that have transpired so far this year. I have seen a lot of pain, and I believe you have too. So when it comes to my 2020 expectations, you can keep your vacations, you can keep your athletic stuff, you can have all of that. The one thing that I want more than anything in 2020 that I want to see more than anything is God's peace. I need God's peace in my home. I need God's peace in my community. I need God's peace in my world. And I hope I'm not the only one. In fact, if you are with me, if you want to see God's peace, and I know right now you're on the chat, can you just say, I want to see it too? Let me know I'm not the only one. If you're in this room right now and you want to see God's peace in your world, can you just raise your hand and let me know I'm not talking to myself? I want to see God's peace. And that is what we're going to be talking about today. Peace. Like I mentioned before, we're in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, the part of the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is talking about blessed are those that do these things. Blessed are those that are these types of people. And what's so interesting about these things is that those that are blessed, those that are happy, are the ones that are doing the things that almost feel counterintuitive to the way that we would do life. So in previous weeks, we talked about blessed are those that are poor in spirit, for they will see the kingdom of God. Blessed are those that, are, uh, that, that mourn. Blessed are the people that are meek. Blessed are the people that hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
And today we are talking about, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, this. Jesus saying these words, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. You know, I think it's important that we not just read Scripture, but that we always read Scripture with the context by which it was originally written, with the context by which it was originally said. And this is especially important because we do not live in the same age. We do not live in the same culture or have the same uh, situations going on that existed at the time that Jesus said this. So it could be easy for us to have one way of perceiving things only to realize that we've completely missed the point. So I asked myself when I hear this verse, blessed are the peacemakers, what does it mean to be a peacemaker? In fact, what does Jesus mean by the word peace in the first place? Because here's the truth. Many of us have different interpretations of peace. Peace to you may be a sunset. In fact, I actually have a picture of a sunset right here that you can see. Peace to you may be Man, that is a great sunset, by the way. Peace to you may be a good time with good friends and family being together, enjoying one another. Peace to you may be having sports back on television. Can I get an amen to all of those that are excited to see the NBA back in action? Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody in the chat. Let me know. Peace to me personally is a good nap. If I can get a good Sunday after church nap after a real good brunch, that to me is peace. I was talking with a friend the other day about peace, and he said, you know what peace is to me? Peace is when my wife tells me, you know what, hon, you were right, I was wrong about that. And I said, brother, I have never heard that in my life. I don't know if you'll ever find that peace, but good luck to you. Not because my wife is prideful, by the way, but because my wife is literally almost always right. It's annoying, but I've come to live with this truth. If I could summarize what many of our interpretations of peace is into one definition, it would simply be the absence of conflict. Peace to us is the absence of conflict. But when I perceive peace being the absence of conflict, I have an issue. Because if Jesus is saying, blessed are the peacemakers, and also Jesus, who was also called the Prince of Peace, if his definition of peace is the absence of conflict, then I have an issue because I have never seen an absence of conflict in the life of Jesus. In fact, Jesus' entire life was conflict. Before he was even born, he couldn't find a place where he could be born properly, so he had to be born in a, and laid in a feeding trough. He, was, uh, uh, he had to be a refugee in, in Egypt for the safety of his family when he was younger. He grew up on the south side of Nazareth, the ghettos of Israel. Jesus, when he got called to do ministry after being baptized by John the Baptist, almost died fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, being tempted by Satan. And then when Jesus actually began his ministry at the height of his ministry, it was so popular that he almost got crushed by crowds, hated on by the religious figures the entire time. And many of those same people that celebrated Jesus, that probably got healed and, and restored because of Jesus, also were the same ones that cheered for his death the day of his crucifixion. 
And he had to endure all of that. He had to embrace all of that. And there are so many words that can describe the life of Jesus. But when I see the life of Jesus, the last word that comes to me is peaceful. So it's important that I understand the way that Jesus has peace because Jesus did have peace, but Jesus didn't have peace in the sense of a sunset. Jesus had peace like that picture by Jack Dawson called the peace in the midst of a storm. And many of you guys have seen this picture before. Many of you guys might even have it in your house, but maybe some of you haven't seen it before. And I actually have a picture of it right here. This is a painting, Peace in the Midst of a Storm. And as you can see here, there is water crashing against the rocks. There is thunder and lightning, and it seems like so dark and scary and dreary. Yet what you can't see, what's difficult to see in this picture is that on this, and I actually have a picture of it zoomed in, is that in the midst of all of this havoc is a dove in a nest hidden safely away in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the darkness, this dove has found a place of safety and security. This makes me know that whatever peace that Jesus had, whatever peace that made other people call him the Prince of Peace was not a circumstantial peace but is something of way more value and worth and something that can handle whatever comes my way, whether it's the rest of 2020 or something else later down the line. See, Jesus was a Jew. So it's important for us to understand that as Jesus being a Jew, talking to probably a Jewish audience, when he said the word that we have translated as peace, chances are he said the Hebrew word shalom. And the meaning of shalom is the word Excuse me, the meaning of shalom is wholeness or completeness. A picture of it is actually in the book of Genesis. Genesis says that in the beginning, God created the entire universe. He spoke everything into existence. But the thing that God was most proud of was mankind, the only thing made in his image and likeness. And God had shalom with mankind meaning he had a relationship with them. Scripture literally says that God physically walked with them in the presence of the garden by which that they stayed. But unfortunately, due to a series of unfortunate events, sin stepped into the situation and caused for there to be a separation in relationship between mankind and God. It caused for chaos in the universe as well, but most damaging was the relationship that we once had with God being separated because of sin. And no matter how much we tried to behave better, no matter how much we tried to have a better performance or to be more godly, it still was not good enough to come up with a way for us to be able to have a restored relationship with God like we used to. Scripture says that the wages of sin is death, so a death was required. And God, knowing this, knowing that also we did not have the means by which to make amends through our own power, decided to send his son, Jesus, the only begotten son of God, to be the necessary sacrifice so that we can have peace with God, so that we can have restoration with God. In fact, we see this in Romans 
chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were once considered enemies of God, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We now have shalom peace with God because of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross for us. And this is a powerful thing because shalom is not just the word that says peace in the sense that, yes, we're on good terms now. Shalom in the sense of peace means that God, who we were once enemies with, is now for us and not against us. God, through the shalom peace, is now able to help us and fight for us and be with us in the midst of all of the things that we deal with, and nothing can separate us from the love of God anymore. This is a powerful thing, and this is the peace that not only do we have because of Jesus, but this is the peace that Jesus offers us in Scripture. We read this in John chapter 14. It says, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples before he goes on to be crucified. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. John 16 also says this. I have said these things to you that you may have peace. In this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus gives a peace that surpasses the idea of circumstances. Jesus gives a peace that surpasses whatever situation, whatever position of life that you're in. And because of this peace that Jesus has given us, it gives us the strength to say no matter what problem comes our way, we have the presence of God here with us fighting for us. And many of you in here are a witness to that because you know that you weren't supposed to make it through this season. But had it not been for the God on your side, you would have not have made it. Your marriage wasn't supposed to make it. You weren't supposed to recover from that sickness. You weren't supposed to recover from that mental battle that you were dealing with. You weren't supposed to be here today. You weren't supposed to be on this chat today. But because there was a God that made peace with you and was for you, you were able to overcome. That's the power of the peace of God. So the question that I need to ask before we go any further is this. Do you have peace with God today? Do you have a shalom peace with God today? Because the peace of God, as we understand it from the original context of Scripture, means that we have a relationship with him that causes for us to find wholeness and completion. Because let's be honest, we live in a world right now that says that if you want to feel complete, if you want to feel whole, if you want to be content, you must have a certain dollar amount. 
You must have a certain number of acreage upon your property. You must have a certain type of relationship. You must have a certain type of diet or weight. You must have so many things that are external that you can try to achieve on your own. And many of you in here knows what it feels like to pursue those things. Many of you even know what it feels like to achieve those things only for you to lay your head at night and still feel like something's missing. And still feel like you don't have enough. Through the love of Jesus, through peace with God, he can be more than enough for you. And whatever holes you have in your heart, whatever pain that you have not recovered from, he can bring healing. Whatever things that you struggle with, whatever insecurities you have, he can show you your true value. And through God, we can have something that we could never have achieved on our own. And I promise you, church, because I know a lot of you know people that aren't Christians. I know a lot of you know people that seem to have happy and content lives and they don't have God. And that's fine. That's their journey. But I am bold enough to say here on this stage that there is nothing with the eternal significance that comes from this world. That's why Jesus says the peace that he gives you is a peace that this world cannot give. So we need to be sure that we have a peace with God. And by peace with God, I just mean that we have accepted the free gift of Jesus. That we have allowed for God to be the whole of our lives. To be enough in our lives. Not an amenity. Not some compartment of our lives but the source by which we find our peace and comfort and joy and love. And I believe when we have that, when we understand that, it makes it easy for us to be peacemakers. The Greek word for peacemaker is arene, and the meaning of that means one who bravely declares God's terms which makes someone whole. This means that if we want to be peacemakers, we need to exemplify the life of Jesus that brought peace to people. Being a peacemaker looks like standing up for the people that are hurting. It looks like feeding those that are hungry. It looks like moving towards those that don't feel valued or don't feel, or, or because of society don't seem to have the same level of worth it means we walk into difficult situations knowing that it's not going to be easy, knowing that it's going to be messy, but knowing that that soul that we are fighting for, that that person that we are trying to stand us beside is someone created in the image of God, loved by God, even to the point of death so that they might have life. Being a peacemaker is forgiving those that hurt you, knowing that you have been forgiven as well. Peace is helping someone find wholeness and completeness that does not come from an external source. Peace of God is not the absence of conflict whatsoever. In this world, we will have trouble. But blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be known as the children of God. If you want to look most like Jesus today, you need to be a peacemaker. 
If you want to make a lasting impact in this world the way Jesus made an impact in this world, you need to be a peacemaker. And that's the thing that we need to focus on. In fact, I just want to say it one more time. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. We need to see that in this world. We need to see that in this city. We need to see this in our community and in our, and, and in our homes. But I need to be clear about a couple things. I want to take some time just to be clear about three things when it comes to peacemaking. First and foremost, peacemaking is not pacifism. Because there's a misconception, like I said before, that to be peaceful is simply to just be nice and to try not to offend people and to try to be sure that, you know, we play both sides of an issue. Peacemaking is not that. Peacemaking, like it was for Jesus, is you saying if there are people that are hurting, then I need to be where they are so that they can find wholeness, so that they can find restoration, so that they can find healing. And whether that's a people group, whether that's a person in the midst of your family, in the midst of your job, peacemaking is you stepping in and speaking out the truth of God over their life, over the people that may have a different opinion, and finding ways that they might find wholeness within themselves. If I can give a practical way of this, I want to talk about the things that have been happening recently in, in our country in regards to George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, many other stories. And I'm grateful for Dr. Greg, who decided not just to see these things, but as a pastor of Valley Christian Church, say we need to speak about this. We need to be uh, vocal about how God feels about these things. And he gave an opportunity for me and for Pastor Karen to sit on this stage and to share our views and to give understanding. And I remember sitting on this stage in a chair and I said to him, and, and many of you who saw it heard it, that this was one of the hardest seasons of my life as a pastor at Valley Christian Church. Because there are so many people that I care for that have said things and and have done things that show that there's not the same level of value or care for those in my community. But what blessed me was after saying that, after being a part of that message, not only did I receive comforting words from Dr. Greg, but I received comforting words from many people that were watching in this room right now, that were watching online, people that reached out, and, I, and I'm tempted to say people's names, but if I say your names and then I forget some, I'm going to feel bad. You know who you are, but people that sent texts and says, hey, I heard you were hurting. I, I, I just want to say I'm sorry, and I want to say I'm here with you. Hey, uh, maybe I don't understand this issue the way that you understand this issue. Can you teach me about it? Can you, can you walk alongside me with this as I walk alongside you in this situation? Can you help me in this as I help you? And I can say with boldness up here on the stage that even though I'm the pastor that's preaching right now, that it was the people in the audience, the people watching online that ministered to me, that brought comfort to me, that brought wholeness and completeness in the life of me and my family in the time when we needed it most. 
And I'm also grateful for how Valley Christian Church stepped up when COVID-19 first started. And we had people that were at risk, people that were even sick with COVID-19. And we said, we're going to find ways to feed these people. I'm grateful for ministries like Unshattered and Bread of Life that says we're going to give resources. We're going to give whatever it takes in order for people that do not have enough in order to survive, to survive. In order for people that deserve a second chance, a second chance. Because those things, church, are us being peacemakers. And let's be clear, there are things that we do, even things that I just mentioned, that offended people. There were things that got politicized. But the purpose was not to be political by any means. The purpose was to be a peacemaker the way Jesus was a peacemaker. Because it didn't matter if women weren't considered the same level of value in the times of Jesus. Jesus brought value to women. It didn't matter if Samaritans were overtly uh, uh, considered, uh, had prejudice against them. Jesus brought value to Samaritans. It didn't matter that certain people, because of their sickness or even because of their job profession, were, were in places that were considered, uh, how do I say, distasteful. Jesus was for them. Jesus was for everybody because his goal was to be sure that people saw that there's a God in heaven that loves them. There's a God in heaven that they were made in the image of and that there's a God in heaven that saw that they were worth dying for to have relationship. So we cannot be silent as peacemakers when we see that there are people that are hurting, we step into the pain. But we also, because I always need to be clear about this, need to be sure that we have proper boundaries as peacemakers as well. Because there are some people in the lives of many of you that are listening right now, many of you that are watching, where you've tried to make peace only to be hurt, only to be manipulated, only to be used and abused even more. And Jesus, being the peacemaker that he was, did not allow himself to be in any type of relationship. Jesus made sure to be clear, listen, I'm not going to allow people to speak to me in certain ways. I'm not going to allow to be in certain circles knowing this that it was important for him to be sure that he brought wholeness and value, and if people weren't willing to receive that, he would respectfully back away. If people were trying to abuse that, he would not allow himself to be abused in that way. So we need wisdom, we need the Holy Spirit, but we cannot be on the sidelines either. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As much as it depends on you, bring restoration and life to people through the power of the Holy Spirit. The next thing that we need to understand is that peacemakers should be people that bring safety. And this is what I mean by that. A while ago, I, when I was a teenager, I received Jesus after a friend of mine shared uh, the, the love of Jesus with me, telling me that Jesus had purpose for me and 
And, and, and I remember thinking to myself, you know what, if, if this God really does have purpose for me, then, then that's what I want. That's what I need in my life. I know it. And, and Valley Christian Church, I'll say boldly, I was so won over by Jesus. Jesus became the best thing and still is to this day the best thing in my life. And I became that kid at high school where I was all about being the class clown. I was all about being the popular guy. I was all about trying to get all the girls. I, would, I just became that guy. I was like, I just want people to know Jesus. I just need people to know Jesus. Yeah, I remember telling people about it and people were a little weird about it. They, they, they were a little standoffish with me. But I remember this church that I was attending was having this huge youth event that they wanted us to invite all our friends to. And I remember being able to pull off having 20 of my friends from my school, from my neighborhood, family members. I had 20 of my friends show up at this youth event. They literally gave me a prize because there were sections of my company that were there. And I remember being so excited because I said, tonight can be the night that these people that I invited, these people that I call friends and family, that they could finally see the goodness of Jesus in a way that I have been trying to articulate myself for so long. Tonight could be the night that one of my friends finds out about the goodness of Jesus for their own selves. And it was a fun night. There were games, there were prizes, there were food. There was all the fun stuff that people do at youth ministry events. But then the speaker that was not from the church, she was invited to come speak, came up. And he did a 45-minute sermon completely condemning our culture. That our, child, that, that our generation were just rebellious children, that we we're going to hell in a handbasket because of the music that we listened to and because of the movies and the shows that we watched and how none of it was of good quality anyway. And he continued to spout on about just how bad we were and how we were going to go to hell. And, and I'll never forget this one thing because the actual purpose of his message was purity, how we as young people need to not have sex before marriage. And he did this thing I'll never forget. He took a water bottle just like the one that I have here and he began to spit and put backwash all into the water bottle. And then he took the water bottle and he walked up and he said, who in this audience right now would drink from this water bottle? Anybody, I'll pay you. Anybody willing to drink from this water bottle? And obviously nobody wanted to. It was disgusting. And then he said, if you give yourself away before marriage, you are just like this water bottle. And that not only confused me, but it enraged me because I had a friend of mine that was sitting right next to me lean over and says, that's what you think God thinks of me? That's what you think? God looks at me like, it broke me down. And I had a lot of people that still love me and respect me to this day, but they have never entered a church again since that moment, to my knowledge. 
And sometimes when I think about it, I get emotional, but I told myself I was going to be a thug today, so I'm not going to do it. Because I believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I believe that if there is anything we need in this world right now, it is the loving gift of Jesus Christ to humanity. And sometimes, somehow, we like to talk about the rules. Somehow, we like to talk about our own preferences. We try to make the things of God uh, things that, uh, that we mandate upon other people instead of just talking about the story, declaring the truth that we were so loved by God that it didn't matter what we've done. It didn't matter who we were, where, we, where we're from, that God loved us so much that he put his life on the cross, died so we can have life today. But not only did he die in our place, but that he was so powerful that he managed to get up on the third day with power and authority in his hands, which shows us that not only does God have the power to get us life, but he has the power to get us through whatever difficult circumstance that we're dealing with, including some sin natures, including some bad habits, including some difficult things that we don't know how to get rid of in our life. It doesn't separate us from the love of God. It only makes us know even more that it didn't stop him from doing what it took so we can have freedom. That's the gift that Jesus Christ wants to offer every person today. And what I love about Jesus is that though he was a man of conviction, though he was a man that was very clear on things that were sinful and things that were godly, he was still so peaceful that people like a prostitute could come to him and anoint his feet and wash, her, uh, and wash his feet with her hair and tears. That people like Zacchaeus, who was a known thief in the community, could commune with Jesus that somehow a man of such conviction was also a man that people that were living a completely different lifestyle can say, I messed up, I'm in a horrible place, I need God. There's too many people that won't come into this house because they believe that they won't be welcome here, because they believe that they won't be loved here. But I want you to know that God made peace with you and God wants to make peace with them. So with the last thing that I want to say today, I want to be clear. The world needs to see peacemakers. The world needs to see the love of God on display. But it's also very clear to me that we need to understand this. That being a peacemaker on your own strength is impossible. It's impossible. I don't want this sermon to be you hearing we need to be peacemakers and this is what a peacemaker means. So I'm going to leave here and try harder at being a peacemaker. I'm not making that this type of message because I know that doesn't work. What I desire for each and every person today more than anything is to have a peace with God for yourself that shifts the way you bring peace to others, that shifts 
the things you post on your social media that shifts the way you talk about your politics, that shifts the way you love both your loved ones, your family, and the person that is on the completely opposite spectrum of you in every way. Rules did not change me. Trying harder did not change me. The blood of Jesus changed me. The love of the Father changed me. If you, we need anything more is we need people that have relationships with God that are so potent it infects the person that they're next to. So as I close, that's the thing that I want to pray for. Not for us to just try harder to be peacemakers. Because we fall short. We run dry. We get selfish. But for us to be refreshed and renewed and reminded of the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And that that be the thing that compels us to love others. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you that you made peace with us. Thank you, the Prince of Peace, that you did not come just to be neutral, that you didn't come just to be nice, but that you came and you were a warrior of peace. You fought so that people may have wholeness and newness of life through you and you alone. And Father, we desire today to know you better, to draw closer to you than ever before. And Father, we pray that today that you fill us with your spirit, that you show us where we're not like you, that you show us where we need more of you, and that because of that, we will never be the same. And if you right now are somebody that says, I have not made peace with God, you've been talking so much about this peace of God that God gives, his wholeness, his completeness, I don't got it. I just want you to right now just repeat these words after me, whether you're at home, whether you're in this room. Dear Jesus, please come into my life. I want peace with you. I want new life in you. Thank you for this free gift. Thank you for this new life. In Jesus' name, amen.